Welcome to this special edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. In this special series, I'm sharing with you 12 speakers from the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. I really hope you enjoy their wisdom. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome back to the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. We've been having some technical glitches getting ready for you all today, but I, uh, it's so going to be worth it for us. I am absolutely delighted to welcome Erica Jago to the series. Hello in very early good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's great to have you here, Erica. I'm going to, for people who might not know who you are yet, I'm just going to read out your official bio uh, and then we'll get into a really juicy conversation. And I really want to talk about, uh, well, I want to talk about your books and I want to also just sort of talk about creativity, but let me introduce you formally first. So folks, Erica is a is fearless in her love for yoga and passionate about communication design. Through her signature illustrations of yoga poses called Asana Glyphs, she found a union between the two with over 18 years of experience in designing books. She self-published her first book, The Art of Attention. Oh, I remember, anyway, we'll talk about it at the moment. Ranked number one on Amazon for design and now translated into six languages and graphically designed Oprah Winfrey's The Wisdom of Sundays, as you do. Design something for Oprah. After making the art of attention, Chakra Studies helped her heal an addiction she has been battling for 25 years. Since then, she started helping others embrace their beauty to impact those they love. For the past 10 years, Eric has gathered over 200 women and men from more than 36 countries for week-long retreats to study one chakra at a time. Amazingly deep and powerful work. In these retreats, Erica uses her background as a Kundalini and Vinyasa trained teacher, as well as her experience as a designer to introduce a new methodology, combining storytelling with emotionally connected yoga, visionary art and nature to inspire inner knowing, spiritual care and interconnectedness. Nice bio. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Good job. Well, it was a delight and it makes me feel a little inadequate, but that gets to be part of my yoga. <laughs> Erica, I have to tell you about, um, I live in a small country town and um, there's only one other person in my town that a yoga teacher friend that I have who kind of understands about the yoga industry. You know, she uh, was a student of Eric Schiffman and she's practiced with Rodney Yee and sort of understands this kind of yoga liberty phenomenon. So she and I get together for tea every now and then simply to just connect. And I remember going over to her house for tea once and she said, I've got to show you this new book. I've ordered it and it's arrived. And she goes to her yoga room and comes back with the art of attention. And, I, you know, it's so interesting. Um, we talk a lot in my community about abundance and self-worth. And when she brought that book and we, we were looking at it and how beautiful it was and how inspiring it was. And then I noticed that, it's actually designed to be a workbook, like you write in it. And my initial reaction was, I, who am I to, you know, to write in such a beautiful book? It was such a, and then the, the realization that I'd even had that thought at all. So I just wanted to say thank you for that beautiful book and um, let you know that it's being used in even the smallest towns in Australia. <laughs> So many people say that, that they don't want to write in it. And that yet, it. what a way to honour the, the work that you do when you use it by writing in such a beautiful book. 
Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm so glad you liked it. It was a very fun project to work on. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> Compared to my second book, that one was a breeze. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It just, it flowed from me effortlessly. And I didn't even quite know what I was creating. I just knew I had to do it. And I was at an engineering firm for 10 years, uh-huh. working, uh, doing books and proposals for them. Uh-huh. So the book process was, uh, I was doing maybe two or three books for them a month. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, this is on water and wastewater. And I want to do a book on yoga. So um, I saw, I was doing all, at that time all kinds of different awakening um, summits, like listening to podcasts while I was doing graphic design, yeah. attending yoga around the corner uh, on my lunch break. Yeah. And so when this vision came to me, I was just like 100 miles an hour seeking a photographer, uh, trying to get a website together. I found Elena Brower, reached out to her, quit my job, uh, ended up getting a divorce. At the same time, uh, it just everything shifted. Wow. Uh, my whole world just broke open. I also then, like that we have a mutual background in wastewater communication. I didn't what? know that about you. <laughs> and it gives are me you hope. Maybe, sorry? Just tell me, are you an engineer? Scientist by training, but I appreciate the engineering environment. And it gives me hope that maybe, you know, there is a, there is a yoga book in me yet. People often ask me, but it would be nothing of the, the nature of your book. Just before we talk about your next book, for folks who don't have it yet, everybody go get it. Um, just describe, because it's not a normal, normal book. Tell us a bit more about your vision for, for making that book. For Art of Attention? Yeah. Well, because I had just gotten my teacher training and I, I went from practicing three days a week to teaching two days a week after, wow. after work. Yeah. So I was a full-time um, a graphic designer at an engineering firm and then I would go teach on the weekends and weeknights. So I wanted to design my classes. Um, there was a bundle of grid paper just to my right. So the grid paper is where the osmoglyphs came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would draw out the stick figures to plan the sequences. And then I started to see a, a methodology, the engineer in me saw a process. Uh-huh. And so then uh, I came up with the idea of like a sankalpa. Like if I could come into class and nail the mood or the theme that I wanted to uh, convey within three to five sentences, then that helped uh, the practitioner stay, you know, not in my ego, but in, in the, the feeling mm-hmm. of the class. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I could start working more artfully with talking points and with music, and then really design a, a really beautiful experience for people. So it was just a, a service and an offering that I took into an art form, hmm. which many teachers do today. Um, and many teachers aspire to do. I don't, you know, I think as beauty is something to, um, I think beauty is something that is essential for human contentedness and that you bring a bit more of it to us is is a very beautiful is a very special gift how when was that exactly that you decided because there'll be people watching who are in that space of i still work my corporate job it doesn't quite feel right anymore and i teach a little bit on the sides how long ago was that for you um 2003 i started practicing 2008 um i was teaching Mm-hmm. And then 2011, the book came out. Not long, not long ago. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're not doing engineering anymore. No. <laughs> no my background is actually industrial design. Ah. Yeah. But no engineering. Uh-uh. And so, what would you <laughs> what would you say to somebody who's um, thinking that it's not possible or um, it, it's not meant for them, or that they they need to hold on to the security of that corporate job? Yeah, I've had a, a lot of people on the retreats come with that same, you know, I'm telling an inspiring story. And so they, they use me as inspiration to come in. Mm. Uh, what, I, what I usually say to them is that it seems like it takes forever. You go through a lot of pain. And then all of a sudden, uh, it all breaks open really quickly. And you're scared to death. So you feel the extremes. You feel this uh, relief that you're no longer at your corporate job. And then you have the fear of uh, like, oh my gosh, I don't have my bi-weekly paycheck and I don't have health insurance anymore. And is this going to work? Yeah. We never fail. We don't, we, we, it's, it's just not in our DNA. I know that that person, like if, if it really comes from their heart and it's a passion, the energy behind it, the inspiration is all they need. And they'll stay up late. They'll work weekends because it's not work at that time. It's, it's their passion that's driving them. Did you have supporters? I know when I left my corporate job, you know, people were very worried for me. You're giving up security. You've worked so hard for this. This is what you went to university for, blah, blah. <clears throat> and doing this woo-woo stuff. Um, not the, in, in fact, in particular, the people who really loved me were the most worried. Did you have yeah. people to support you when you made that transition? Yes, definitely. I had a lot of catalysts around mm. me. Mm. Uh, the photographer for the book um, was huge. Uh, Elena Brower was huge. I mean, that woman never doubted me, mm. you know, and, and, and she just let me run with it too, you know? So I didn't have a lot of skepticism other than my mom. She was worried for me. Uh, <laughs> We actually talked less during that period, but when the book came out, my mom drove, was there for the book signing. She was at the warehouse helping us. I mean, <laughs> yeah, my biggest supporter. And we did everything through crowdfunding. Yes. So we raised $50,000 to do it. And it was, it's like this locomotive because you're staying engaged with people online. You're telling them about your process. They're on board with your story. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see the contributions and the support that you have through the funding. Mm. I hadn't thought about crowdfunding in that way, but yeah, you're sort of building a support team or a cheer, cheer squad as you go from the people that I love that. Yeah. Can I ask you about, um, the you, you we mentioned in your bio about the way that you've used the the work that you now do with your retreats is 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 experience that um, you received as a result of working with your own addiction issues. I find it um, brave and motivating when yoga leaders, if you'd like, use their own story to help heal and share with others. But I think it does take a certain level of courage to do that would you talk a little bit about sort of the vulnerability that's required there or why you feel called to teach from a place of your own personal healing well that was that's what helped me recover was knowing that one day i would be able to help someone else going through interesting yeah and then um 
I can talk about it now because I've worked that level of shame out of my system. Yes. I'm, I'm no longer hiding the eating disorder. I'm no longer um, trying to act like it's not something that's there. Like, uh, I will always have this addiction. I will always have to battle it. I have to wake up every day and choose not to engage in it. Yes. And of course, it's easier um, every morning that I wake up, but I still have to go through the process of like, I mean, it was just a week ago that I told my boyfriend, I was like, I can feel I'm getting emotional food. Mm. And so, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think um, I love what you said about now that because you've worked through the shame of it, I just, you know, isn't it interesting how we, um, I just find this so um, powerful. And I know uh, it, one of the other interviews I've been doing for this series, I was sharing how <laughs> I was in her class and um, waves of like self-worth and shame and body stuff. And essentially she made me <laughs> in front of a group of people standing in the mirrors and pull up my t-shirt, which for me was just like, I can't actually imagine. At least if I was fully naked, people wouldn't notice my stomach as much was kind of my thought process at the time. You know, this is sort of like Amy circa 2013. And actually it was the, it was the process of yoga that healed that stuff that we talk about, you know, Instagram yoga can be so kind of look at my abs or whatever, but it's that inner work that, like you said earlier about the book process, it, 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 um, it, it's deep work. Like you, you, stuff comes up and bob, and you work through it uh, on the mat. But don't you think that that's the amrit um, of of yoga? Really, is is it lets me make compels me to get down into the deep stuff and and churn it up and and get rid of it. Yes. Yeah, and I think even one step further from that, like yeah, returning to your mat again and again, but also uh, the involvement of creativity of putting yourself through a creative process helps you um, get to the truth which is usually six layers deep like you're talking about and i said that too that that um that yoga teachers almost have a uh, well i'm sure she would have been much more vehement than this that a responsibility to engage in the creative process as part of that sort of svadhyaya self-reflection and that it's creativity is the channel that must be pursued in order to achieve that. Tell me more about what creativity means for you and your own practice. Well, my retreats are uh, usually uh, positioned in a way that they're yoga and creativity retreats. Mm. And when someone sees the word creativity retreats, they think automatically we're painting. Or <laughs> yep, yep. And that defer, like, defer them from even coming. But uh, I think it's creative living. I think it's the way that you express yourself. Um, I hear a lot of times like, oh, well, there's so many yoga teachers out there. Like, you know, I don't want to become a yoga teacher because there's no need for anymore. But the expression of how you express, like I'm, I love the chakras. Mm. And I feel like I express the chakras way differently than anyone's expressed the chakras before because it's coming authentically from my own experiences. Mm. Mm -mm. My so yeah, creative living is more about how I view creativity. And so what does that phrase mean then for people who think oh, it's macrame and painting? Um, so I don't work a nine to five job. I creatively find a way to support myself. Um, my expression of the chakras is in book form through uh, visual storytelling. 
the retreats that I do are experiences around the world and every word that I say on a retreat, every experience that I do is thoughtfully curated and crafted so that by the end of the week, you have had a full body experience in one chakra at a time. Wow. You know, so if you attended the root chakra retreat, that experience would be more about healing the past and your hauntings and um, coming into a place of safety and security where if we dealt with the third eye, we're working with a 360 degree perspective of your life. Uh, we're coming up with visions. We're working on self-image. So it's entering into a completely different world based on where we're focusing our attention. I, keep, I need to keep reminding myself to not just dive into everything that you're saying as a, as a student, but rather as a colleague. So here's a, here's a collegial question. So I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of having retreats. I mean, people could imagine, okay, I'm doing a seven-week or a six-week or whatever your chakra system of choice is, course on the chakras, we're going to do a class a week and blah, blah, blah. But that you would do retreats. One at a, do, do people come to more than one? Do you have people booking for all of them? How does it work as a, from a business perspective? Yeah, I mean, just last year, uh, a real good friend, Janine from Germany, attended the third eye. And then uh, one month later, we went into the seventh chakra. And she saw the difference because every time we study the third eye, it's such a mental process. Yeah. Um, we're dealing with our perspectives. Um, and then we worked with a photographer uh, as well to develop, you know, manifesting her vision. And then went into Italy where the altitude was, we were a very high altitude and it was meditation. And we, went, we worked our way into silence and then came out of silence. Wow. Yeah. I, I love the idea that you use the word curate and just he, hearing you describe the, the program, if you like, of your retreats and how they varied one to the next, it very much sounds like that. Very considered and mindfully put together, right? I really, um, just from a ret one retreat leader to another, really respect that. What a, what a beautiful thing to do. And I also can sort of feel that the joy that you get in that process, personally, I can see that weaving things together like that is, is part of what you love about what you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's super fun. And I have a hard time as a graphic designer now taking on clients and doing it for someone else. And I, I go back and forth between it where it's like, I know I can sustain myself by just doing what I want for myself. Because when you start dealing with clients, you know, and, and trying to convey someone else's vision, I never feel like I can authentically get what they want to convey. I just know my perspective on it, yes. if that makes sense. It does. And I guess that's true for any consulting ever, really, at, at the truest level of it. Yeah. <laughs> Men people who take on clients, you know, and, and can do that for other people. And it, yeah. for me, it, it's very much, I don't know, it's, it's, not, it's not selfish, but it's more of, it's, I'm of service in a different way. I'm of service of when people arrive at the retreat and I put them through the, uh, the experience, I want them to have a beautiful experience that they remember. Yeah. And so that's my offering rather than to design something for someone. Although the book for Oprah was really, really fun and um, a couple of things. Yeah. Like you're going to say no. So what, what, what was your task on that? Um, they had a contest. Uh, they had hired a graphic designer, or a, a graphic firm to lay out the book. And then they, she ended up not liking it. 
And so they had limited budget and they asked me and two other designers to submit a proposal of what we would do. And then my, my proposal got picked, but they picked the cover of another designers. Huh. And so we got to lay out, I mean, laying that content out was really nice because you're learning as you're laying out. It was all of our interviews from Super Soul Sunday. Oh, wow. wow. So you got to read some really cool things while doing the design, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, and it's not bad having Oprah on your CV either, really. But I never met her. Well, she, would, she wouldn't even know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Claim it anyway. So, so where can we find out more about your retreats? Because people will be, you know, you, they, it just sounds incredible. Where can we find out more about them? Yeah, um, so I have one coming up in August, the 5th to the 10th, in uh, this Clarac, France, so right outside of Bordeaux, mm. called the Indian Yoga Retreat. And we're studying the sixth chakra at this time. Mm -hmm. and the chateau is my fourth year there. It's a family-owned uh, chateau, and so we have the entire chateau to ourselves. We practice yoga twice daily. We have silent tea meditations in the morning uh, with my friend who's bringing her curated teas from California and from Japan. Wow. And then we have a, a Parisian photographer coming and working with you one-on-one -on -one with uh, soul photography. And that's a really beautiful experience. Amazing. I really, like, you see, it really feels curated. I, I love that bringing that the artfulness to rather than me former me doing the now let's write the agenda <laughs> let me set the agenda here is the powerpoint of the agenda sounds so much more delicious the way you describe it could we talk a little bit about your new book because i was just before folks i was saying to erica before we started the recording that she almost busted me literally kind of drooling all over the screen while i was looking at the, some of the layouts of her new book because it's, it's incredible. Tell us about it. Mm -hmm. um, the book's called Angelus and Angelus speaks to that time of day when the sun sets or the sun rises. And so when day becomes night or night becomes day. And it's this play on us transitioning from light to dark and dark to light. And it tells the story through a heroine and she's journeying through the seven energy centers. So she travels through seven different worlds and she accomplishes uh, the themes that each one of those energy centers houses. Yep. And so in the root chakra, it was shot in Iceland and it's all very dark and black and she learns how to create her own safety. She learns how to set energetic boundaries and she learns how to tell the truth. And then the story uh, also moves through your, your, your body house. So the root chakra is the basement, and then she moves into the bathroom for the second chakra, which is water, uh, accomplishing how to embrace change, how to uh, fulfill her desires. And then into the third, which was shot in Jordan and Wadi Room. So it's all about fire and, uh, and how to make uh, beautiful choices. And then into the heart, which was, uh, we worked with trees and the connectivity of the arms and the hands. So the play on trees, and that was shot in Holland. And then into the voice, which is all black and white. She enters into the studio of her house. So she's um, playing with her voice. She's learning how to work out the nuances and, and the tones that she uses. Mm. And then um, making a contribution into the world. Mm -hmm. And then all the way up into the attic where uh, we, we play with her imagination and her perception. 
and then the chapters end in all white and it was shot in a studio and it's art directed by my dear friend Rose Vanderkamp who's mm. brilliant she took the book to a level that I didn't even know was possible wow yeah and then shot by uh, a, a really talented young photographer here in Amsterdam uh, Sonia Marusik and she's got this technicolor way of viewing the world which is what we wanted we wanted it to be very surreal looking so that it helps you alter your perception yeah yeah uh, uh, the one page that really sticks in my mind just from the preview section was where the text fans like weaves out like um uh um topography maps it's just incredibly beautiful yeah that's in chapter two amazing so we wanted like the feeling of each energy center has a certain uh, residency or frequency yeah. to it. And to be able to depict that through visual art will help you um, relate to the chakras at a very practical level. You know, rather than just so the red, the red chakra, the orange chakra, the yellow yeah. one, yeah. this is a, a feeling, mm. you know, an experience. Something that comes to mind when I think about what we've talked about with your business and your body of work so far, Erica, is this idea of layering, like there is more layers to everything you're doing. It's not, it, there is depths to it. And, and um, listening to you describe the book, but also thinking about your retreats and even how you approach your life, that, that there is intentional layers to the things that you're doing. It's not all at the same kind of level. Mm. Yeah, and it's been revealed. I love, that's a really nice way of describing it. I feel that. And mm. my affirmation for the longest time was that I'm manifesting a deep, bold beauty through a genuine understanding of my heart. Mm. I mean, I've been saying that to myself for years since I lived in San Francisco. Wow. And, it, and to see how it's unfolded is I didn't have a defined grand vision of like, I'm going to hold retreats and I'm going to document those retreats and I'm going to make books out of it. Like it was more abstract than that. I knew I wanted to make books. I knew I wanted to travel around the world and, and I, I wanted to involve design and yoga. Mm. But how that's manifested is much more beautiful than I ever thought it would be. Wow. Very, I feel very grateful. Yeah. You talk very highly of your project partners in these books. Um, I think it, I, I think it's, um, I think it isn't, actually, it's, it's just not an easy thing to, to find a great partner, business partner, um, and then to share a vision from a begin, from beginning to end and still feel great about each other at the, at the completion. Um, I, I, I know I've got clients, I myself have had uh, great, some great and some really not great um, mm -hmm. opportunities for growth when it comes to business <laughs> partnerships. Um, yeah. But you seem to have some skill there. How do you do it? How do you know that someone's a good fit or not? I have gotten really lucky. Like, honestly, <laughs> I've gotten, I mean, I, I, I admire, you know, my challenge in relationships and, and those like is, is that, I'm very susceptible to this sort of like cult idea where I put the other person on a pedestal. Uh -huh. And so Elena Brower, I put on a pedestal. 
um, for the Lamar Yoga Retreat. I work with Mari Sierra. I put her on a pedestal. Uh, I put Rose Vanderkamp on a pedestal. I, I, I see how amazing they are and, and, what, and the talent that they have. And I want to learn from them. And I've learned completely different lessons and skill sets from each one of them. Like I thought I was structured with Mari because Mari can, Mari's boundless in a beautiful way that I can't be. Mm-hmm. And Rose taught me structure oh. you know, with, with the Dutch ways. And she taught me about color and, and deadlines and how to schedule things. And it's like put me onto this whole new level. Wow. So I've gotten really, really lucky. I have to be careful not to let myself um, feel stupid like that's that's why I have to watch like oh you know they're smarter than you they know better than you and 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 then step back in the way yeah so I I look back like when I start playing that with Rose because I because I, I do feel like she most likely has the answer and and, and the better answer you know 95 percent of the time but if I look at when with Elena like I really drove the book so I know it's in me hmm but certain people evoke certain feelings and we have to remember ourselves that we're not just one person, but we're a multitude of people and the capacity is there, but you have to command it. I love that. I also think it takes a high level of sensitivity to be able to gauge where am I at in this energy play with somebody else to be mindful of your tendencies and, um, and, and, and sort of be in development, personal development during the, during the production of a, of a time bound, I'm presuming project. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it helps that we're, we're working on these things like in Angelus in chapter four, mm. there's a sequence on relationships huh. and our tendency to self-sabotage. Yeah. And, and what it, what it brings up is like, um, you know, is there, well, I, there's actually, in in the chapter it's it talks about how it well actually it's more like about heart meditation so you're you're sitting in the seat of the heart and you you watch the breathing as a way to connect to the subconscious mind because the breath is really regulated by the autonomic nervous system so when you follow it you come into your subconscious ways mm-hmm. and, and if you do sabotage love only then to severely want it back, then you are revealing a pattern that you have a belief system where you believe you have to earn love, that love's not really given to you, but you have to earn it. Mm. And then by watching again in the meditation, you start to see like, am I putting the other person in a position to fix me? Or do I need them to approve of me? Or, or do I need to please them? So mm. then you start working on, on ways to not um, use other people to complete you. Mm. And those kind of, those, those types of observations are teaching us that the heart, um, you know, is, is your quickest way into your awakening, that by reflecting and focusing um, the energy back on yourself, that you can heal some of that trauma or some of that pain around needing to earn love or, or get approval from other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. Really, and so eloquently put. Um, and and I want your book even. I have I have grasping for your book now. <laughs> Failing again uh, as a yogi. Where can we get it? Is it still? Are we still pre-ordering, or is it 
can we get it? Yeah, we're still pre-ordering. Okay. Um, the book has been sent to print, Ooh. and we're in the process of approving the, the proofs, <gasps> the press So um, we're expecting spring 2019. Uh, we're printing 3,000 copies. Um, so not very many are going to be out. And um, yeah, so art of, or sorry, uh, angelusbook.com. And it's A-N-G-E-L-U-S book.com. It's just glorious. You weren't kidding about the Technicolor, I mean. But it, and one of the things I love about these sorts of books is it gets to be... Um, it gets to be a tonic and an experience for us when we first read it, but it can also very much become a teaching tool. It gets to become part of your yoga teaching resources as well. Even just the meditation that you described. I mean, uh, being able to practice that, learn that experience that and share that with people attributing it, of course, is a beautiful resource. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know about your practice, but I need to refresh my practice. A lot, yeah. and I love tools that help me stay accountable, and yeah. I love to help me document things mm -hmm. so that I can go back and start to see things that I didn't see once before. That's the engineering, the engineer in you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Progressing away. What's been something that you, so you, since you left your other career and embarked on this path, what do you think's been the greatest gift that, that making that decision or this journey has given you? Mm. Well, freedom freedom sure i can uh do my own schedule i, I was a nomad for the longest time uh, i literally came to amsterdam with just a suitcase wow and that that would took a long time to start to shed oh. a lot of the nostalgic things that i was collecting and holding on to i went from an apartment to a storage space and then eventually the storage space was gone and um, I, I've traveled to, you know, I lived in Hawaii for seven years, uh, Morocco, Italy, uh, you know, France. I, I got to see the world. Mm. Traveling is way more luxurious uh, in the mind than it is physically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the truth. Yeah, even the luxurious travel ain't that luxurious if you're, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. And it gets complicated because you don't have a permanent address. Yeah. Uh, certain things start, you know, failing because you're no longer part of a grid. And that part can be very stressful. And as a woman too, like, uh, I feel like we need that ability to ground. I mean, I was, I was working in cafes and, um, you know, going to Bali and, and, and seeing all this beautiful stuff, but, Every time you come to a new landmass, your body automatically wants to process what's there. So new soil in Hawaii where there's no war or you know, not a whole lot of trauma was easy. But then coming to Europe where there's a lot of history, you, know, you, would, you would take on energies that you wouldn't quite understand and you would think that you were sad or depressed or not wanting to go out when you should be going out. Like, it, it was a lot of mental things too that I had to learn how to set my boundaries which is why in chapter one we talk a lot about energetic boundaries what's yours and what's someone else's mm -hmm. how to even put a grid up in my hotel room or the place where I was renting to feel protected and safe yeah wow yeah it's interesting that I, I really find that um that empath 
part of like the, the travel really affects that. And I have certain rituals and talismans that I carry with me to try and reduce that, t- the turbulence that happens in different locations. I totally get what you mean, but I think you have a greater appetite for travel than me. I, there's no way I could have traveled for that long. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm down. I, yeah. I just have a brand new baby girl downstairs. Oh, um, I'm, I'm here for, till 2020 in Amsterdam. You know, that's only next year, right? (laughs) You can tell a nomad I'm so committed until 2020. (laughs) That's a big step for me. Uh, Well, congratulations. You do vinyasa and kundalini. I do alignment-based hatha yoga. This is just personality tests. You know what I mean? It is. I see what you mean. Yeah. Big difference. (laughs) Erica, thanks so much for being a fantastic guest, folks. Do pre only 3000 copies don't be crazy go pre-order one you don't want to miss out um just like just to have a if nothing else just for the sheer delight of the beauty of this creation um go get it thank you for being so candid and uh open with us about everything that you've encountered in the development of your yoga business and for personally for really re-inspiring me to bring more um art in the big sense of the word to what it is that I do every day. Thanks so much, Erica. Thank you. It's a really beautiful opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you've enjoyed these interviews and you're interested in having my support as your yoga business coach, check out the information about my coaching package at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash coaching.